Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Joy Weber. Joy is a second year student in our Executive MBA class of 2023, and she and I recently connected to talk more about her MBA journey, what led her to Darden, the impact of her Darden experience, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Joy Weber. Joy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brett. Well, it's great to see you. How are you doing? How are things? Things are great. Um, just really couldn't be better. It's a 60 degree day in Jan- in uh, February. I know. It was 17 on Saturday morning, last Saturday. And it's been in the 60s, like half this week unseasonably warm here. Um, Does this this mean the groundhog was maybe wrong? Can we embrace Mm -hmm. that? Is it too early? You know, I grew up about seven minutes from where that groundhog pops his head out of the hole. And um, in my experience, it's generally a safe bet to say you're going to have six more weeks of winter in Pennsylvania. But I don't know that it carries for the rest of the rest of the country. So just a hyper local prediction from Punxsutawney Phil. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know what? You got to protect your own backyard. Looking out, looking out for the people. I'll just say there was also in our elevator here in our building, apparently in the grand scheme of things, to your point, it's been wrong quite a bit. Um, and yet we still look to the groundhog. It's just a fun tradition. I think that's where we are with all of this. I think so. Yeah. Well, it's great to great to see you, Joy. I'm excited for you and your classmates. My gosh, the home stretch. Here we are. Q9, Q10, LR2, almost done. How does it feel to be at this point in the program? <clears throat> um, it feels pretty good. Yeah, it feels like it's where it's supposed to be. And I personally am enjoying these last couple of classes because... I definitely come from a little bit more of a a poet background. And so getting through those quant heavy ones in the beginning um, wasn't my idea of fun. And, and now, you know, now I get to read, um, read literature and discuss its effect in, in the business world. And so I'm enjoying these last couple quarters. I assume you're referring to Jared Harris's ethics through literature course. Yes, that's the one. Nice. I saw you all in there uh, during your most recent weekend residency. I think he brought his guitar uh, mm-hmm. as well. Yep. He sang for us. It was great. Sounds so nice. What are, what's a book or two uh, that you've read in this, in this class? We've read, I mean, we have really read a ton of different things, like from Hemingway to Chekhov to some pretty crazy sci-fi, like tech, um, poems, songs. It's just been, it's been like what I always hoped my ladies book clubs would be, except those always just turn into like drinking wine and not actually discussing a book, you know? So. And you feel like it's added to your business school experience? Like it's helping you think about some of the things you're learning about in the other classes? as well? Well, yes. Yes. I mean, for multiple reasons. One, the subject matter, it's just, it just is rich and um, 
it's been a really nice window into some of my classmates who I even really thought I knew, but you really get to see in a different way through these kinds of discussions. And um, that's been probably my favorite part about it. We've done some some free writing and I've gotten to hear like my classmates read things that they have written and they've been really across the whole gamut. And it's just, it just further um, endears me to my classmates, like just how cool it is to see them on this front as well. Well, tell us a little bit more about you. Um, who are you and what's your background? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, let's see. I am mother of three and um, a partner to uh, obviously, since I've made it this far in the program, a very supportive uh, with the help of a very supportive husband. Um, I started out my professional career in law, went to law school, and then worked at a very traditional law firm and um, fell rightly so into government affairs and uh, legislative policy, where I was for quite a while. Then made my way into um, a startup that did renewable development for offshore wind. And then into when when we were acquired into a Danish corporate, very Danish corporate um, utility space. So I I have a hard time answering that question because I have done quite a few things by now. Um, but let's see. Yeah, yeah. I'll stop there. Well, how do you make the move from governmental affairs to you know, sustainability, green tech? What what led you to to that move? You know, Brett, it has like the moves that I have made in my professional life have and personal life, actually, like they have always really kind of just presented themselves. Like there might be periods of time where I wonder what I'm supposed to do and have to wade through those a little bit. But the answer as to what comes next is usually pretty clear, has has always been pretty clear. I'm not going to say it, it's always will be, but yeah, it um very nat like the transitions very naturally happened through either really connecting with the right person at the right time and um that being a reason to make a change or through I mean or through acquisition where it was not really my choice but um yeah it just it, the right decision seems to kind of present itself eventually I appreciate that that feels like real life you know that things you know just kind of you may not exactly have a formed plan of this and that and the next thing, but you're going along and there's an opportunity and why not give that a, that a try? So um, tell us a little bit about the work that you do currently. Well, <clears throat> currently um, through definitely through a lot of support from the resources that you guys have, that we all have at Darden. I left my job at, um, the Danish utility company in May, just of last year, and um, took the summer off and spent a little time with my kids and getting through the last bout of those quant classes. And then I started doing some work, just consulting on the side, um, not on the side, on my own, through some of the connections that I made with classmates. And um, so I have been now working in the renewable space around electric vehicle infrastructure. And um, 
it was kind of a nice pivot because I do have a general understanding of how the electricity grid works and how utilities work. It was never focused on electric vehicles before, um, but it was a good foundation to begin looking into and understanding that space as well. Um, So I have been working with one client in particular, a large quick service retail restaurant to help them develop an electric vehicle strategy to roll out some infrastructure charging for at their locations. Um, so that I've been doing that as a consultant. So I've learned like how to stand up a consultancy, even though it was never really my intent to have a consultancy. It's like I had to put all of those pieces in place in order to do the work and learn how to kind of be a small business owner. Um, so I'm pulling on that string. And then um, I am, I have another couple projects that I'm just kind of pushing along and uh, keeping, keeping my finger on a couple of different things. Nice. Well, it seems, have you mentioned your background in wind energy and now you're working on EV, uh, uh, EV charging strategy or EV vehicle strategy for this quick service restaurant. What do you like about this uh, green technology work? You know, what I liked the most about it was the time and place that we were as an industry moving into them. I mean, I like, I love, I love our planet. Don't get me wrong, but I was never somebody who was like lying down in front of a pipeline. You know, I think those are all really important things, but like, with offshore wind, you know, I was I was getting to work really at the the forefront of this new industry entering the US. And so we needed to legislatively create the right pathway for it to happen and it was nice to be in a place where this was a proven technology like happening in Europe, you know, it works. So it was just it was something you could feel comfortable bringing over and and helping um helping my my own community understand why it was a good thing and how how it could help them and um like being able to actually to actually do something that would help the planet great yes but like also bring jobs and like create an industry that I could see happening before my eyes that was what I really liked about offshore wind and then translating or transferring that kind of like this is where we are it's coming the industry is here but there's still a lot of um, white space to figure out how and when and why. And I like that, that place where you can really be creative with solutions to, to move something along that you do actually believe in and has a lot of, um, has a lot of steam already. What has it been like to launch your own consultancy and and do this work, you know, essentially for, for yourself, you know, with clients? Oh, it's been a lot of lessons learned. I mean, good days and bad days and um, never boring, never boring. I definitely, I just, I definitely have learned a lot over the last couple of um, months really getting into this. And I think my temperament is suited well for this kind of work because uh, I'm okay with the ebbs and the flows of of the day to day. And, um, 
I actually am in the entrepreneurial thinking class right now and have kind of found myself gravitating towards a lot of my classmates who have a similar way of, of thinking and, and the effectuation, the effectuation process of just beginning and understanding how to pivot. And um, it's been a nice opportunity to put a lot of that into practice and just have to, yeah, I mean, my husband might have a different answer if you asked him what it's been like over the last six months, but I, <laughs> I have enjoyed it. Have you always been that kind of person who could go with the flow of things and, and ups and downs? I've always felt like and have been told that I'm kind of like this. And I know this is a podcast, so I'll say I'm just moving my hand in a level motion across the screen, even um, to the point where people who know me have been like, are you okay? Like, shouldn't you be more excited about this? Or shouldn't you be, you know, more upset about this? And I... I'm able to keep a level, um, a level outlook, I think, which is good. It's good. It does help me analyze the situation more, more quickly and more, um, I don't know, with less emotion, even though I do have it, it's in me. Right. But it's, I, I feel like I can temper it and, and wade through it. That's an important thing to know about yourself, particularly as you kind of think about what you'd want to do and what you might be well well suited for. Um, how did you decide to pursue an MBA? Um, my brother went through this program. And uh, so that was one of the big reasons. He loved it. He, he graduated three, I think, three years before I did. Um, and then when I was working, so my background is in law. And so I've always felt really confident about my ability to write and communicate um, but where I really started feeling like I might be out of my league was when I moved into the very corporate space of the utility that acquired the startup. And it just almost felt like there was um, a language that I didn't know how to speak in in the business world. And of course, I thought, well, okay, fine, like I'll see if I can learn that language. I mean, school's not that hard. Like, let's just get, get into a program and see if I can figure out what these numbers mean. Um, because my background was in studio art and then law. So I just knew, I knew I was deficient in, I knew I was deficient in the world of numbers. And so I just thought I was, um, yeah, I just thought I'd give it a shot. And Jeff, my brother, Jeff spoke so highly of the program. It's the only place I applied. It was just like, if it's meant to be, this will work out. And and honestly, Brett, it wasn't until like, I don't know, two weeks before actual the LR1 started that I finally was like, okay, yes, I'm doing it. Let's go. <laughs> Things you don't know as an admissions officer that the person, the people are like right down to the wire. Will I, won't I, am I going to matriculate? I, I figure there's always those summer months, you know, it's a lot of buildup for folks who probably have thought about this off and on for maybe a few years, at least many of our prospective students report that. And then you get to that moment, you got full life, you got a lot going on, school's right there. I can understand how that would inspire a little of, um, are we really gonna do this? I guess yeah. we're really gonna do this kind, yeah. of, kind of moment. I had a five-year-old and two three-year-olds at that time. And it was just like, okay, well, is everyone gonna be healthy enough for me to leave? 
um, on the day that I need to go to LR1. You know, it was just like, yeah, those things. And I'm, I'm so glad that it did turn out this way. So you come to Darden, you're a first year student, you're, you're back in school. Um, what was what was that adjustment process like? I mean, honestly, it felt to me like uh, a treat. Like it was just, you know, uh, holding holding down a full-time job and then obviously being with my lovely but like insane family, going away to go study was just like, might as well have been a day at the spa. <laughs> it was really nice. I've heard that from other parents you know, sometimes in the program that class is like, man, school, yeah, you got things to do, but it does feel like you just, you're doing this for yourself. You, and, you know, other people too benefit from your participation in the program, but this what a rare opportunity to sit in class and just learn and to think and, Oftentimes in our days, we don't have a lot of time to sit and think and all things. Right. It's definitely a luxury, something I, I don't take for granted. I mean, obviously needed a lot of support to put things in place so that I could take that time. And um, so I never, definitely never took it for granted, which was, you know, maybe what you would have done in prior higher education experiences, just kind of dialing it in because you're there. That was not something that happened in this program. So I want to talk about a couple things that I think I'm pretty sure you were instrumental in. So one is feel like your class started doing sunrise yoga on Sunday mornings or possibly Saturdays too, but um, started doing sunrise yoga during weekend residencies. Talk, talk a little bit more about that. What was the what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, I've always loved yoga. And I um, have taught it for a number of years and um, it took a little bit of a backseat whenever I had all of my kids, but it's always been something that I've regularly practiced myself. And um, on weekends that I was away at those OGRs, it just was like an awesome opportunity to practice again in the morning. I mean, normally in the morning, I'm either getting everybody ready for school or snuggling or whatever. There's a million reasons you don't, but then Sunday mornings just got to get up and practice and invited a bunch of my classmates to come along. And the hotel was uh, gracious enough to accommodate us by giving us a room and um, had a core group of, no, maybe like seven or eight people that came and a couple's a couple that would find the motivation to do it. And it was a lot of fun. Well, you may know, I mean, there's a running club now in the first year of class. And there's also now a wellness committee, wellness initiative that's being pursued. And you probably know about all of all of these things. But um, yeah, the students, uh, I'm, I'm so amazed uh, by the way that students impact this program. I mean, these things are organic, right? It, people just said, hey, let's give this a try or let's do yoga or let's go run as a group. And you could easily just sleep in. But no. Not, not this group of people. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, I think that the wellness aspect of, of one's professional life is not something that can be taken lightly. And I think that there's a lot of people that are very good about sharing like best practices and talking about it. And we probably still don't talk about it enough, you know? It is true. I mean, it can be really easy for 
particularly when you're doing all of these things at the same time, you know, work and life and school, it's going to be really easy to sort of push wellness or any kind of consideration uh, around that uh, to the side. So um, I was glad to hear about all these conversations. The other thing that, that you were involved with was, I think it was sort of called buzz groups or it's effectively giving your classmates a chance to reconnect or connect for the first time with people that they hadn't had a chance to spend as much time with um, as they kind of work through the program. I'm probably doing a poor job of describing this, Joy. So let me um, give you a chance to weigh in. What what exactly was this? Yeah, there came a point in the program, and I don't remember exactly where it was, but we were still pretty heavy into our core, our, our core curriculum. And um, there, well, well, let me start off by saying, like, I'm I just prefer smaller groups of people. Like I, I don't mind going to large events, but I just really, I love having more intimate conversations with just a handful of people. And so it was definitely partially um, selfishly motivated just because it was what I was looking for. And I had heard from several classmates that others would like that too. And so we got to this point in the program where um, there were a lot of a lot of um, learning teams that really hit it off and were regularly meeting. And then there was definitely a lot of people that um, didn't have as much of a connection with their learning teams. And so there would be, um, I started to see people falling into their groups of not even learning teams, but just their groups of like-minded people. And I felt myself falling into that. And it was just not why I came to Darden. And so um I think that I'm probably one of the more outgoing people in general. And so if I even felt like it would be nice to have some structure to somebody saying, you should go get a drink with these three people, then I figured other people probably felt similarly. And um, I just, the first couple of times just said, if you want to be thrown into a group, like email me and I'll put you in a group and I'll text you who your group is. And it's up to you guys to get together at some point or grab a zoom coffee or whatever. I called it buzz groups because um, that's what we did in class a lot. You know, a, a teacher or whatever would propose, would propose a question and you would just have to have a quick conversation with a buzz group, which means whoever you were sitting by. Um, so yeah, I just gave an opportunity to meet with people that you wouldn't otherwise have been assigned to. And also up until that point, like we hadn't, there was, some parts of the group that hadn't even really had class with the other parts of the group. So I was starting to feel like I wanted to um, take getting to know my classmates into my own hands. How did it go? I think it went well. A lot of people, a lot of, I got a lot of good feedback and um, we did a couple rotations of different groups, mixing people up. And then, um, then we all started having very different schedules because electives rolled around and people you wouldn't see on Fridays or Sundays. And um, I think it just kind of naturally, naturally evolved into, into where it is now, which is, it's not a structured thing anymore, but. Well, I really like this idea because I, your point about how people can really fall into like a social group and that just becomes maybe the group that they primarily spend time with. I mean, that's just humans, how mm -hmm. humans operate, right? Um, and, you know, you come to a program like this one to try to meet as many people as you can. And in the flurry of activity that goes with being an executive MBA student, it'd just be easier just to 
stick with your group. So I, I just love the idea that you were giving people structure to kind of break outside of that. Because I always always tell students, they ask for advice. I'm like, well, try to eat lunch with different people every time if you can. Because um, I'm always struck. Like when I walk into the lunchroom, sometimes I think, oh, okay. Yeah, see these people sit up together a lot. But I always like people who go go bold and, and sit with somebody new, meet somebody new. Yeah, and you kind of just forget to do that towards the middle or end of the program because you're cramming for class or, yeah, or you feel like somebody's expecting you to sit with them, you know? Yeah, so the buzz group becomes like a like a freeing thing. It becomes where, well, we've got this, so we're going to have, we're going to, we've got the structure, and so I'm just going to go and, and have coffee with these people. I, yeah, I love I loved the idea because my goal is for, at least in my mind, when I think about the student experience here, I want everybody to meet everybody. I want everybody to feel like they they knew um, their classmates, everyone, you know, 135 people. And you got 21 months, you know? You know what math, math would say, how many people you needed to sort of get to know each month. But I think it's doable. I think it's yeah. doable. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll carry it on afterwards. It would be great if that kept going. For sure. So, um, so here you are, second second year of the program. You're, you're past the core at this point. You're taking electives. Um, when you look back on where you started to where you are now, you know what jumps out to you about about the program and the impact of the program. I think I really have learned to be more vulnerable in uh, life, both both professionally and personally, and um, that that's been a good thing. It's just been a good thing to be able to just kind of like own your humanness and be, be very transparent about what you know and what you don't know and um, do it in a very safe space. Like that has been, I think probably my favorite part of the whole, of the whole program. Um, I think that it's something that I have observed in my personal life and something that I'll miss when this program is over is just like, when you're, when you're used to the level of conversation being at this level, like at a pretty high elevation and so much engagement and like care for what you're talking about. And then you leave that space. Sometimes it can be confusing to be like, wait a second, why, why aren't you ready to jump into this issue with me and and talk about it? You know? Um, So just observing like seeing some relationships through new lenses because of the way that you, the way that I've grown through the program itself. Um, and yeah, I think that that has been like a really helpful thing to gain that lens, to look at the kinds of relationships, both personal and professional after being with a group of people that are really, truly amazing people to know. Where do you think that that vulnerability? You mentioned you know, that this is something that you've really gained or developed through this program. Where where does that come from? Well, it definitely comes from the way you all frame the program when you begin to say like, "This is what we're looking for. This is what your classmates are expecting." So you got to give your give of yourself into it, and then I think it builds on the fact that you start to experience that and you and you um want want that to continue 
And so you dive in a little bit deeper to that, to that way of being. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, almost like anything, right. Once you start doing it, it becomes easier and you don't have to remind yourself quite as often. And, um, I think it comes from even affirmatively saying to one another that you really appreciated when somebody was vulnerable and offered, you know, anything in that vein that wouldn't have normally been offered. Like you start to see that it has helped people along the way and um, just hope, hope that you don't snap out of it and go back to, you know, being a stone. Well, it does feel like there's something to to your point as well about the sort of psychological safety, the the, the way that the class um, operates. You know, and I think um, I think that that's a very powerful thing. To your point that you made earlier, that's not really how the world world works. Mm -mm. Yeah, and and I'm sure all of your classes say this, but like. I've heard that we have a pretty special class and that we've done that relatively well compared to some of what our previous classes are. And so I think that we're also proud of that. And then I think as the program starts to end, you realize like, oh, this is almost over and that's not the way the world works. And so like, let's see, do it even more, you know? Yeah, that's the best thing about where you are in the program right now. I mean, there's a bittersweet aspect to it. Right. So people are really excited about graduating and, you know, being being, you know, done with the program and having their MBA. But people also recognize like it's not every day you get to do what you are doing in this program. Right. And so to your point about it of being a luxury or to being in this kind of environment where people asking these questions, open to these conversations, trying to really try to get the most out of it here at the end. Yeah. So, um, Joy, what, what are you looking forward to uh, in the in the coming months? Mm -hmm. mm, um, I'm looking forward to warm weather. Don't really like the cold very much. Um, I'm looking forward to my first and only global residency, which I'm leaving for tonight, heading to Morocco. Um, I'm looking forward. I'm taking some of my work is starting to lead me into like a um a real estate development type space. And coincidentally, I'm taking a real estate development class in the final quarter. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um and I yeah, I'm looking forward to solidifying some of the relationships that I've made and putting them to actual work and beginning to explore opportunities with a lot of my classmates from a, you know, a, a professional opportunity place. So I, I'm looking forward to kind of pushing some, pushing some, um, pulling on some strings a little more and really enjoying the last couple months of the program and making sure that I um, make the most of them as we go along. How did you pick Morocco as your global residency? Um, well, towards the beginning of our program, I didn't want to put all of the plans that were necessary in place for me to leave without being 
really sure that COVID wasn't going to interfere. And so I was just kind of pushing along as far as I could. And this luckily was one of the last ones on the list. Um, and I mean, I've never, I've never been to Africa and I have friends who've been to Morocco and had a wonderful experience. And, and I just watched Casablanca last night and it's a great movie. And so all of those, all those reasons. You're spending time in Rabat and Casablanca, is that right? Yep, and Marrakesh as well. Oh, that's so nice. Um, are you going to stay over? Uh, are you going to stay a little longer since you're going all the way to North Africa? Oh, well, actually, I tried to. So this is why I need you to keep your fingers crossed that I actually make it there because I tried to book the flight a couple of days early and they, they changed it. So I'll probably just be there for the week, but... Sometimes you set your travel plans. Sometimes the airline chooses your travel plans for you, apparently. Um, when you look back on the roughly 18 or so months uh, you've been in the program, do you have a favorite memory uh, from the program thus far? I don't, I really don't think I could pick just one. Um, I think one, one, um, one piece of advice I would offer is that I have really found the coaches that you all make available to be a, a real wonderful source of support. I mean, just really great thought partners in getting through some of these professional decisions that you need to make uh, along the process of being in a program like this and life in general. Like, I just really couldn't stress enough to develop a a relationship with one of the coaches and have them learn who you are, know about your journey, and they understand the process of the program as well. I think that that is some of my conversations with my coach are have been some of my favorite memories. That's great advice. I mean, after all, you're just walking around in the world, kind of access to a career coach, somebody who can help you think about what should I do here? It's one of the great things about being in the program. And of course, you have that support. There's alumni career services too uh, after graduation. Um, what do your kids uh, think about um, where you are right now in the program? Do they, they recognize that you're about to finish school? Um, I don't know. I think they do, but you know, they're about to finish first grade and preschool. So it's like, big deal, mom. Like I'm also moving on <laughs> in this. I think they'll be glad when I'm not leaving dinner to go to class anymore. Like they'll be great. They'll be grateful for that to happen. I know actually, I just was talking to a classmate of mine who was like, you're going to graduation, right? And I'm like, oh, I think so. As long as there's not like a soccer game that day. Yes. And, and they kind of like snapped me out of it and reminded me that it would be great for my kids to see me graduate. So I guess TBD, I'll let you know what they say at graduation because we're going to go. That's always, that's my favorite thing about graduation. It's the, the student is receiving the diploma, but the family is really receiving the diploma and together as like a unit. Everybody played their own part. I mean, shares in that success that, that's a that's a wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. How did y'all 
figure out how to make all this work. I mean, you've got several kids and you got a lot on your plate. I mean, how did you and your family figure out how to make this program work for y'all? No, I think that as cheesy as it sounds, the reality is my husband and I are both lifelong learners. And so are my parents who are nearby for a lot of, and offer a lot of support and my brother. And so it wasn't just, it wasn't, oh, we're going to make this massive sacrifice and get through it. It was like, all right, this is a great opportunity. Let's, let's go do it. And, um, yeah, I'm so, I'm just so grateful for that. I mean, my, all of them love hearing about what we're talking about and discussing it. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's not something that we're just trying to get through. It's something that is like a part of who we are. And, um, I did promise that I wouldn't go back to school for a while. So <laughs> I'm cut off for a while after this program's over. But I love that idea about people being curious about your experience and wanting wanting to hear about it. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, we always tell students, you know, the most important thing you can do while you're in this program is to share the program with the other people in your life and make sure that they feel included and they know what you're doing and maybe meet some of the people you have class with. Um, that's that's important. I think sometimes my husband felt a little too included when I would be like, I need help with this Excel document, you know, but you know, you get, you get some, you give some. <laughs> well, Joy, um, you already shared one piece of advice about getting to know your career coach. I wonder if you have any other final thoughts you would want to offer to our listeners as they think about their own MBA journeys. I guess I, I think my final piece of advice is just to try not to take any of it for granted while you're going through it, even when it's hard, just, or less enjoyable or, um, yeah, just try to just be in the moment as much as you can while you're going through the, the, the program and trust the process. <laughs> like for the most part, you have it figured out pretty well, right? Like from beginning to end. And so, um, I would say trust the process. It's interesting that you that the, both points are really interesting and not to take it for granted. I mean, it's worth noting for most of our students, this is a terminal degree. It's like the last major educational experience they will have in their life. And people ask us all the time about like a successful student. And I do think if you can approach this with like, this is probably it for me uh, for in terms of like major degree programs and really let that be your compass. I think that will inform, I mean, that will drive you to get the most out of everything because this, this is probably it. Um, and then the other, um, the other thing that you noted about the process, we were talking with one of the learning teams, uh, from, from your class, learning, learning team two on the podcast, not so long ago. And they all kind of went through this journey where they try to do everything by themselves, like doing all the work. And then realized well that didn't make any sense and it was too too much and just oh gosh okay well then they had to reconsider how they were actually operating as a team and they eventually after I think a few months kind of found a groove and then they continued to sort of layer on from that like sort of the stretch and people taking on different things that weren't as natural for them and to a person they all kind of said you know I actually think Darden puts you in that position where you realize you can't do it all on your own and you have to ask other people for help. Um, 
And uh, I thought I thought that was such an interesting point. Yeah, she, life's put me in that position lots of times. So Darden was just <laughs> Darden was just another experience doing that, you know. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, but to me, sometimes when we think about school, we think yourself in a library with a book. It's super solitary, and then you come here, it's not at all. It's the very opposite of that. Yeah. Well, Joy, thank you for, for coming on the podcast. I will say, when you talk to folks on the podcast and they say they're going to exotic places like Morocco, uh, for your podcast host, there's a fair amount of envy. I hope you have the best trip. That sounds great. Do you have like any sort of bucket list item, anything you absolutely want to do while you're there? Well, Brett, the flight doesn't leave until 1.55 a.m. and I'm sure there's space, so you can come along. Everyone would love it if you showed up. You know what? Um, I've been on one global residency. It was a highlight. It was amazing. I went to Brazil. <laughs> I'm really excited to see just all of the tile work and color and architecture that I've seen pictures of. And now we'll get to just see in real life, hopefully, if I make it there. You know, I the uh the inner art major in me just it, you know, despite how many times I've tried to kill her with a law degree and an MBA, like she's still there. So that's what I'm most excited about. I will say if you're an artist, I mean, just consider all the artists who have passed through Morocco specifically. I mean, incredible writers, visual artists, like it's quite a, quite a destination. So you know, never know, Joy, this could, could be a spark. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice talking to you, Brett. Great talking with you as well, Joy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and best of luck to you and your classmates. I can't believe I'm saying this. Executive MBA class of 2023, your last quarter in the program. And that was my interview with Joy Weber, a second year student in our Executive MBA class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time, Stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.